Paul the Summer Council on Public Affairs, and we are going to come get into the question and answering period um, now. I just want to make a quick note that next week's topic is titled "Has Medicines Had Energy Sustainability Policy Left Lethbridge Behind?" Presented by Russ Smith. This is definitely a hot button issue that's going to be brought up in the municipal um, elections, and we're happy that we're able to talk about this issue or have an is this issue presented at next week's um, regular session of SACPA. Uh, the, the title is, Has Medic Medicine Hat's Energy Sustainability Policy Left Lethbridge Behind? By Russ Smith, presented by Russ Smith, who is the City of Medicine Hat's Energy Sustainability Manager. <clears throat> you are able to hear today's and other sessions in audio online at sacpod.ca, and you can post written comments on these sessions to keep the conversations going. And as always, we have a suggestions box placed out in the lobby for new ideas and feedback. If you would like to ask a question, please state your name and keep your comments brief and limited to one or two questions that, um, at the provided microphone, which is to my right. Leona's already standing up and going to lead the charge. Um, and then please return to your seats after asking your questions. So let's get the show on the road. Again, today's topic is, is scrapping the mandatory census long form short-sighted. And I would like to welcome back to the podium Dr. McDaniel and Dr. McDonald to, to the podium and thank the audience for attending and listening. My name is Leona Jacobs. Um, I'm a librarian over at the university, and my work involves helping people find Statistics Canada data to do research. Um, Susan, you talked about, you referenced the potential of 2011 being a black hole in terms of census data, and you also mentioned that the U.S. census, uh, they, they tried this and, and went back. Um, so my question is, did they recover from their experiment in terms of that trend analysis that Heidi talked about over time? Well, I'm so glad you asked a, a nice, straightforward question. The answer is no. <laughs> they didn't recover from it. And we didn't learn the lesson from it either. And they're very close to us, you know, just south of the border. You'd think we could have seen that experiment. Right. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Mark Sandylands, and, and I'm uh, really pleased to see how many people are interested in the long-form census question. Uh, you'd think a, an arcane uh, topic like this uh, would be uh, not, not as well tended. So it's uh, uh, a hand to all the people who came to find out about this. I have two questions, uh, and they're kind of lobs. Uh, so, first of all, can you give any concrete examples, perhaps from the early days of uh, polling, where a voluntary census uh, or voluntary data collection uh, went uh, seriously awry uh, and led to the wrong conclusions? Uh, the other question is that, well, just to expand on that, surely if we increase the number from uh, 6 million to 9 million uh, people being surveyed, shouldn't that do enough to, uh, in, to uh, increase the accuracy? 
So that's one question. The second question is uh, some of the supporters of the cancellation, such as uh, the right-wing Fraser Institute, uh, have said we should abolish censuses anyway and do like they do in uh, Holland and, and the, the Scandinavian countries where they haven't got censuses. They just collect the data uh, from uh, other information they collect. So could you respond to those, please? Any direct one, Mark? Who would you like to direct your questions to? You can decide amongst yourselves. Well, maybe I can just answer briefly first, and then uh, Heidi can take the difficult questions. Um, on the question of whether increasing sample size on a voluntary survey compensates for a mandatory census, it does not. It's, uh, there's a myth about that, but essentially it does not uh, compensate. And that, in essence, I know you're not asking this out of ignorance, but some people are asking the question out of ignorance, that that is taught in elementary statistics, that, it, that, that that's the case. So, so we have to consider... Uh, uh, you know, basic knowledge of statistics. Um, the, the question about whether polls have ever gone wrong, I guess the most famous ones are uh, political polls that have uh, on occasion declared the wrong candidate to be the victor uh, based on polls, uh, which, you know, has led to all kinds of embarrassment. Uh, and I forgot the third question. Norway, Sweden. Oh, Norway, Sweden. Sorry, that's very important, so I'm glad you raised that. The, the, the puzzle in the, the Fraser Institute's advocacy of that is that the Norway, Sweden, um, uh, and other, some other European countries, that, uh, their systems are based on registration systems. So that means that you are tracked by something like a social insurance number um, that tracks through everything you do. So that is far more invasive in terms of administrative recording of every act you do than, than is a 20% sample, mandatory sample. So the question of invasion of privacy is, is much bigger when you maintain administrative records on the entire population and follow their every act uh, that, than it would be to do a census every 10 years with a mandatory uh, long form. So it's a puzzling kind of advocacy. Oh. Next question. That's a good way to get out of it. You stand <laughs> Hi there, my name is Heather and I'm from Economic Development Lethbridge. And primarily one of our mandates is to foster investment and, and sustainable growth for our city. And a big concern from my perspective, as I'm a researcher with, with the organization, is what specific areas of information is just not going to be available to us to help us make decisions about growth in our area? And can you sort of identify something, especially from sort of a business perspective for us? I'd appreciate that. It's your turn. <laughs> you could, um, and I'd encourage everyone, if you haven't already done this, uh, just search the uh, 2006 long form uh, census so that you can look yourselves uh, and, and see it is, there is so much material. Um, things that come to mind for me, maybe things I've already mentioned, the household size. Um, what other things? It, uh, there's a lot of material on immigration rates, uh, language. So, uh, for example, and, and let me just play this, like, uh, show you what, how it works, or give an example. So we know that the birth rate is going down, and it's expected that within a few years, uh, 
our well, already now our population increases are more through immigration than birth rates. So we better be looking at immigration uh, to be able to understand that and to be able to to know how our population is going to be increasing and to know what infrastructure is needed around that. So that's just one example. There are so many. Uh, and do take a look at the long-form census. Susan, I bet, has something to add. Well, I can just add quickly the directions of how to get there. It's very easy to, to check this out, and uh, and the uh, economic development uh, woman would know this. But what you do is go to Stats Canada website and then punch census. It's right there on the front, and then and then you punch region or area, and you can type in Lethbridge, and you can see exactly what Lethbridge looked like in uh, in 2006, and all that information will not be available in 2011. We'll have basic counts, and we'll know male and female and, uh, you know, age, uh, but, but we won't know all of that information. So every single thing that we knew in 2006 about income, about, um, about uh, health, about, you know, all kinds of things will not be available in 2011. So it's, it really is a loss to municipal planning at every municipal level. I just ask the audience very quickly, uh, has anyone filled out the long form? Or did anyone do it the last time around? And, and can I just ask you, uh, how long did it take? Can you remember? I've heard the estimate 20 minutes, but I've not filled it out myself. So, Do you think that's right, accurate? That's 20 minutes. So. Gordon? My name is Gordon Campbell. Uh, I, I want the first thing. Sorry, is that okay? Better? Thank you. Uh, I want to to ask first, if I may, uh, uh, I want to make a comment first, and then I ask a question. The comment is to thank you both for a, for a, a seriously authoritative presentation on on the issue. We we're privileged to 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 hear your statements in, in a balanced way that we that we have. And I, my question, I'm, I'm a, perhaps will not be so balanced. The question I want to ask you is a political is a political question, and I hope that as academics you feel free, you're not bounded uh, to render your view. Isn't this issue purely a political issue crafted by an extraordinary partisan manipulative uh, uh, <laughs> secret <laughs> Prime Minister. <laughs> you can hold your clapping until I'm finished. <laughs> and if that is so, ought it not to be addressed on purely political grounds to get the change that must come? It is a foolish and stupid thing that he has done for his party, for Canada, for the future of Canada, and for our kids, whose story they may not hear. So how are we going to deal with this question politically? You got the answer? <laughs> this is, uh, I, I will say that I'm the kind of person who usually can see the other side of something, and that's made my life difficult. I often wish that I, that I, that I could only see one side. But on this issue, I cannot see the other side. So um, I'm agreeing with you. 
Uh, I would just add something funny to your very balanced question. First of all, thank you for your for your nice comment. But uh, we had occasion at the Prentice Institute, uh, of which I'm director and Prentice Research Chair at the university, uh, we had occasion to have uh, some local MPs tour our institute. And uh, so we agreed with my admin assistant, who agreed to help uh, participate in this, and my research analysts, both of which are here, that we would uh, give them the short lecture around the census issue, you know, because we weren't going to miss an opportunity, as well as to promote the university and the Prentice Institute. And we actually heard from their lips, these are part of the caucus of Stephen Harper's government, minority government, that they thought this was a silly decision. Uh, so so uh, even within the group uh, uh, of elected MPs, it's not clear that this is, uh, there's unanimous support. As for what the solution would be, if this is a political decision, then you have to look at that graph that I provided from the ECOS poll, which may or may not be accurate in response to the last question I mentioned that. But nonetheless, they're not gaining votes for this. The, the, the upsurge uh, of, of opposition has been across the board, from business, from agriculture, from, from industries of all sorts, from academics, from uh, you know, community groups and municipalities and people, as, uh, as uh, Heidi mentioned, people in, of Aboriginal groups. Um, it's, it, there's been a widespread opposition to this. So, so where the on, uh, entry point is for, for uh, changing minds is not clear. Sorry. <laughs> my, my name is Van Christou. Um, I would like to uh, join Gordon in thanking you both for uh, an excellent presentation. Um, even some of us who think that we follow things pretty carefully, I learned a lot this morning about the, about the real value of, of that long form. Um, having said that, I would like to uh, ask you whether or not you have any idea of what would cause them to, to, to go in this direction when it's going to cost more money and where we're going to lose so much in, in terms of, of uh, information for all parts of our society, including the business community. And, and I, I would like to, uh, to ask uh, uh, as well, ha have you any information at all on whether business in Canada has made a, uh, an approach on this. Um, uh, business uh, associations in Canada have uh, been uh, clearly against this and uh, have expressed opposition. Uh, multiple kinds of businesses, small businesses, large businesses, uh, and Don Drummond, who is the chief executive, uh, chief um, uh, economist of the Toronto Dominion Bank, has been speaking against this too. So business has definitely been against it. And as for the reasons behind this, uh, one can only speculate. But um, if you do start looking at the bigger picture, which, of course, you know, as academics and researchers we tend to, um, you look at the notion that uh, perhaps the government would prefer to make decisions based on lack of knowledge rather than on knowledge. The, the, the example that I would use, well, there are a couple of examples, but, but one of them was the, the business of um, building more prisons and spending considerable money for building prisons. And then people said, well, evidence shows that crime is declining. And then the minister piped up and said, yes, but they're unreported crimes. So you, you wonder, like, are they going to say, and there was a comic of, of this sort, which I mentioned over the, the lunch table, but there was a comic uh, saying that, you know, you should 
have a mandatory form to fill in, have you committed an unreported crime? And if you check yes on this mandatory form, then you just go straight to the nearest prison without, you know, <laughs> going to... A, but the, the notion of connecting unreported crimes to building prisons, you know, it misses the data that crime is declining. And the other example would be, whatever your views are on the long gun registry, uh, people who use it, you know, people like the RCMP, municipal police forces across the country, uh, the chiefs of police association across the country have said that this is useful data to have. The government is still saying, no, it's not. We don't believe it's useful. So, so you know, they claim to be pro uh, pro-police, if you look, if you look at the anti-crime agenda, and yet the very people who are using it, who you think they'd favor, would want, you know, would want the information. They're not fuzzy-headed academics like the rest of us, you know, that use this. You'd think they would say, we do want that information, but it seems to be anti-information across the board is the way I read it. Now, that doesn't provide an answer as to why they did it, but Again, if they're looking for votes, I don't think this is going to get them votes. Uh, the evidence seems to show that it's not. So why people make wrong decisions, I mean, who knows? We've got to get a psychologist on the case, I think. Uh, a very broad comment. Uh, there is no evidence that this was a well-researched move on the government's part. There's none. Susan... Uh, spoke very well about this, saying that the statistics, the, the council that advises stats can didn't know about it. So it, it's not well-researched. It's not logical. Uh, the, the more shocking, well, that's shocking enough, but then that after so many groups, including business groups, have um, have been so upset, distressed by this, that the government doesn't change their mind. That's perhaps even more shocking. Hi, my name is uh, Knut Peterson. We can only hope that this session here will move them in the right direction, but chances are it won't. My question is, um, Heidi, could you give us a little bit more details about historical values of these census forms? It, it's, uh, you know, there's more, more to it than just what we talked about in, in your presentations. Could you explain a little bit more about the historical value of these? The historical value, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, is that <clears throat> historians can only write history from documents that are preserved. And so far, the census has been quite well preserved, and we've, we've used it as a, uh, we can only use, for the personal material, we can only use uh, censuses between 1871 and 1911. Now, in 19, sorry, in 2013, uh, historians will be excited, and we'll all look like starving dogs before this happens. We'll be very excited for the next one, uh, but we'll get the 20, sorry, the 1921 census will be released to us to everyone in uh, 2013. But the historical, there's no. There's nothing like it. Uh, we can count on it for so many things. It it changes. The census uh, has a long evolution, so the question change. The questions change from year to year. So we have more questions or responses on ethnicity, more on um, 
families. Oh, oh it's, it's a big... It, thank you for asking the question. It's, it's almost too big to answer. But what's the historical value of the census? Um, because it's because it's mandatory, it's, it's such a good snapshot of the country that nothing else. If you think of other, use, other sources we use, newspapers, diaries, letters, uh, nothing comes close. It's the best thing we have. It's not perfect. And no, I would be remiss to, to say, to suggest that the census is perfect. There are, mis- you know, there are errors in reporting, uh, but it gives us it still gives us very, very strong indicators of the population, and I don't know what we'd do without it. I just, it's very sad to think about what we'd do without it. It's got such broad value. My name is Frank Toth. Uh, uh, this knowledge that you girls bring us uh, just validates my beliefs all my life that uh, the women that bring the children to this earth should also be governing this, uh, the years. You, you people should be in government. <laughs> anyway, in my 70 years of research, reading and writing, incidentally, I had my last article pronounced that uh, watch for the construction of prisons from the Conservative Party immediately. But, uh, but uh, I, I just want to say that uh, I prefer to go to the the basic fundamentals everything. In my research, I find out who's speaking, who's running, who's governing, where they come from, uh, without getting a political. Mr. Harper was the head man of the Fraser Institute. All the correspondence he wrote was for the right-wing Fraser Institute. Secondly, his fishing buddies that write his script literally, politically, for the economics, what have you, are the five, big five in the University of Calgary. These fishing buddies, they're the ones that prescribe the uh, arguments against the uh, Kyoto Accord, what have you. And the fact that his daddy is a VIP, was or is, of Imperial Oil Exxon, paints quite a background why he is against uh, correcting the tar sands, what it happens, and and the fact that he has permitted uh, British Petroleum three licenses already to research and drill in the Arctic, as well as his daddy's company, also gives you an idea of who is making the rules and laws for the country. And with that, I, I just want to thank you, girls, for the for the wonderful experience that you have learned and, and, and now directing it to us our dummies that know better are not able to do anything about it. Thank you. Coming under five minutes left, if take one or two more questions. Hi, my name is Barbara Warren. One of my questions is, are the uh, provincial governments reacting to the loss of the long census form? Is our own city council reacting to the loss of this form and the information that it gives them to govern our city? 
the answer on provincial governments I can answer. I don't know about city council. Maybe somebody in the room will know the answer to that. But uh, 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 the majority of provincial governments uh, met with the federal government and said that they were against uh, the abolishment of the scrapping, as the terminology is used here today, of the long-form census. Um, Alberta... Uh, took the view that they would wait and see, and I don't know what they were waiting to see, but they they had a wait and see, which is you know not saying one way or the other. But uh, 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 and I think one other province, a smaller province, took that view. But most every province was against it, and the territorial governments. But I don't know about city councils, I, about this city council. I know that uh, some of the big city councils were were against it and described exactly what they would lose. But I don't know about Lethbridge. I'm sorry. Anybody know? Go ahead, Ted. Thank you, Susan and Heidi. I heard once Susan saying that it's hopeless, they won't change. I think <laughs> you are speaking about healthcare system in the United States. And the reason being, you said it, it's ideological. If you are ideologically committed, don't bother me with facts. My mind's made up. Isn't this much deeper than what Gordon mentioned, not just political, it's ideological. Don't bother us with facts. We are market-oriented, philosophy-committed people. Therefore, everything else is inconvenient. Could you say yes or no to my sort of a premises? It's ideological. It's no use. We have to change the government. Um, uh, there is uh, some support for that statement, empirical support. When this first became public, uh, that the scrapping of the mandatory long form was a decision by government, and as I mentioned, it was very much hidden at first, so people didn't realize it uh, for a short time. But once it broke into the open, and this was clear, the statement made by the Prime Minister was, and I'm quoting this directly from memory, he, had, he said, I have philosophical differences with Statistics Canada. That statement puzzled me because Statistics Canada, with which I've been associated, although they've never paid me a cent, I've never worked for them, but I have been associated with it for a long time and used data, and it is recorded as the best statistical agency in the entire world and something for which Canadians should be very proud. But I cannot quite grasp what you could have a philosophical difference with the collection of statistical data. Uh, it's not clear to me because is the philosophical difference that they protect privacy, as Heidi's saying? Apparently not because the government thinks they're protecting privacy. What exactly is the philosophical difference? I don't get it. But it does support what you're saying. Uh, clearly that, that there are, uh, well, the term the Prime Minister used was philosophical differences. The curious thing about this is that this is a minority government. This is not a majority government. And, and they're acting as if they're a majority government, and, but it is a minority. So it's, it's a very curious political decision, a number of political decisions that they're making as a minority. Any more questions? All right.
Thank you very much. My name is Peter Green. I've got one question, and, and I hope I'm not treading on toes by asking it, but I'm wondering if you at the Prentice Institute are dependent upon political appointment, and if so, if you're not sticking your head into a lion's mouth by it, it being so open about the whole problem. Oh, well, uh, I can answer that. The, the Prentice Institute was created by an endowment to the university, uh, but uh, I am a tenured professor at the university. The Prentice Institute is an academic institution. We're governed by the values of uh, neutral inquiry, and we're not governed by any political values. The Fraser Institute is, an, is a standalone institute, so they can be guided by different kind of values, but we are embedded in the University of Lethbridge. We teach we do research that is consistent with academic values. So, no, I'm not sticking my neck on anyway. Okay, well, I would like to thank everyone for coming today. Um, again, next week's topic is, has medicines had energy sustainability policy left Lethbridge behind? Let's give one last warm welcome to both our presenters. Thank you. And thank you, Mr. Moderator, and thank you for the questions.